welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Sarah McDonald, that would be you. Hello, we are back and we are joined by content coordinator Sahani Gunatilika. Annabelle is on holiday. Sahani, so good to have you back. So good to be here. Guys, I'm excited. I know I'm supposed to jump into the <laughs> intro right now, but it feels like forever since we've done this. Yeah, it has felt like a long time. And boys, there are a lot that's happened. <laughs> yeah, coming up on today's show, just about everything you could imagine. While we were gone, two celebrity couples filed for divorce and another broke off their engagement. Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend leaked his text messages and accused him of being a narcissist. Childhood best friends Kylie Jenner and Jordan Woods repaired their four-year rift. Twitter became X and gained a new competitor in threads. Doja Cat offended half a million people and TikTok's It Girl got sprung kissing a teenager. It was busy and messy and juicy and you better believe we're talking about it all. But first, Zara McDonald, how was your break? It was so good. Look, I, I gotta say, I think it was a well-timed break. I was ready to go by mm. the time I left. Spent three weeks overseas. We did probably about two and a bit in Italy. We started in Tuscany with a whole group of friends, which was like the world's best way to start a holiday. I was about to say terrible, awful. (laughs) So, so good. And I think when you get a really great group of people together who are super relaxed Mm. generally, it was very nice because I feel like the older I get, the more introverted I get and the more I need to kind of be in my own space, in my books. And so when you go away with like 12 people, Part of me was like, am I going to look rude if I need to duck off? But when you're with a whole group of people at this age, everyone's happy to do their, their own, own thing. thing. It was so nice. Then we we spent um, 10 days in Sicily and then finished in Paris. So it was really, really great. And I, felt, I just felt very lucky to be able to do it, I think, after the last few years of people not travelling, mm. of borders being shut. It, it, it can feel quite surreal going overseas. Do you agree yes. with that? I do agree with that. It is so lovely to be in just like a completely different location yeah. in a completely different setting. You did announce before you went on break that you are immune from jet lag. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> that proved not to be true. In the, the most me thing ever, I decided to turn around in the office in front of nine people and say, look, guys, I don't know if I want to say this, but I, I've never had jet lag in my life. I don't understand what people say when they say they get sick from jet lag, like yeah. feel nauseous. You were like, can't relate to this jet lag thing. Lo and behold, Monday morning, I'm like sprinting to the bathroom being like, am I going to vomit? <laughs> am I so tired? I am going to vomit. So I would say, don't tell the world you're immune from anything. Also, don't tell the world you're not going to see the Barbie movie if you end oh, up wanting to see it. But we'll get to that later. You've made a couple of missteps, but we love you and we forgive you. Just talk a lot of shit. Life will be fine. How are you? How was your break? My break was so good. I just loved it. And I controversially think three weeks overseas is the perfect amount of time overseas. I would love to be a person who says, I could travel for a year or I could do a sabbatical overseas and love it. It just ain't me, guys. The older I get, the more I realise I'm a creature of habit, a creature of routine. I love my little three-week getaway, but then I love coming home. You have always loved your routine as well. Like, remember in our first lockdown, that was like the most shocking thing for you because it's like, (laughs) wait, I have a different routine. (laughs) I know that as you get older, you get more introverted. I get more extroverted, I think, where I have to see family and like my sisters every single week. So I come back home and I'm like, God, I love home. Yeah. And that is a really lovely thing about going away is when you, if you are lucky enough to feel excited to come home, I think that's really beautiful. 
Recommendations. Oh, my God. I'm going to try and keep mine short. Do you want to go first? Yeah, look, I just threw them to you, but now you've thrown them back to me. (laughs) I'm going to try and keep these tight. I also have so many things I want to recommend. Yes. But I'm only recommending three today. Perhaps (laughs) I'll drip feed them in four weeks' time if I'm, like, low on a wreck or something like that. I read a little bit while I was away, and I have three books that I think our audience will absolutely adore. The first book I want to recommend is a local Australian author. It's a debut, which is kind of the most excited I get when I read when I love an Australian debut because I'm like, everyone needs to read this. It's called Between You and Me by Joanna Horton. The best way I can describe it is like the perfect cross between conversations with friends and seeing other people. I'm in. (laughs) It's um, a little sexy. It's about a love triangle. When you say a little sexy. Well, it's not like full blown sex scenes but like people have sex are the sex scenes good oh okay maybe i've I've let it's not like they're not good but i know that you have like quite a high bar so i don't know if i'm gonna leave with that for you but you've got like an older university professor two young 25 year olds say no more (laughs) it is really really good guys it moves quite quickly over time but I don't think I realised that till the end, so definitely, definitely read that one, please. Beautiful. The next one I want to recommend is Homegoing by Yard Jesse. We read Yard Jesse's uh, second book, Transcendent Kingdom, a couple of years ago for uh, book club. And I've got to say, I didn't adore it. I struggled a little bit. And when I, everyone had said to me, and, and to us when we did Transcendent Kingdom, Homegoing is like... The book. Yeah. The book. I finally got around to reading it over the break. It is so powerful and beautiful. It sort of starts back in the 1700s with two sisters and then tracks their lineage down when it comes to, yeah, so one was a slave, one wasn't, and then it tracks where their generations fall to today. There's a bit of pachinko about that. There's a lot of pachinko about it. It is so deeply powerful and beautiful. I flew through it um, and it was quite heavy subject matter, but I think it's also just like a a really important book. I think when a lot of people talk about like intergenerational trauma, Mm. when you read a book like this and you can trace stories of people down the lineage of a family, it's really... It's just like it hits you in the face. Oh, my God, amazing. So I couldn't recommend that more. The last one I loved so much. It's called Love Marriage by Monica Ali. I'm not seeing as much around about this book, but I do think our audience are going to really, really love it. I'm trying to work out how to explain what this book is without spoiling it because the spoiler for me was the themes that came up out of absolutely nowhere. It's basically about two 20-year-olds engaged to be married and what happens when their families come together in the lead up to the wedding. I'm just going to leave it there. Is it sugary? (laughs) Like on the spectrum? of sugary to serious, where are we sitting? Probably 60% to the serious. Interesting. 65%. Actually, you know what? 70. <laughs> <laughs> it's like not too, it's not dark, but it's like it brings up stuff I've never read before. Like themes I've never read before. So definitely read that. What have you got? Okay, so I've got two books I want to recommend. I became a Sally Hepworth tragic over the break. <laughs> and haven't we been telling you to become one? Where the hell have I been? I love this. Where have I been? I am like a huge Leanne Moriarty fan. Oh, I yeah. love books that are set in Australia. I love books that have a little bit of suspense or follow like a mysterious unraveling of a relationship. <laughs> and Sally Hepworth does that so well. I read The Soulmate, which came out very late last year. I know it's not her most popular book 
ever. I think the most popular one is The Good Sister. Yeah. It is. Have you read that one? I need to. You I'm on it next. I love that one. I'm actually currently reading Darling Girls, which is we got a pre. So good. What's it called? We got an advanced copy of that yes. here in the Shameless Office. It's out later this year, but you can pre-order it now. I'm loving that. Are I'm you reading s- it, Tahani? The Darling Girls yeah. one. I've already finished it. Oh, wow. I loved it. I am so excited to just dive into every book she's ever written. Because she's <laughs> prolific. I am. I'm so sorry to Sally Hepworth that I was late onto the bandwagon. Guys, you need to read it. I actually think Sally Hepworth's books are great if you're not into reading or you want to get back into reading. So easy to read. Mm, yeah. So buy a Sally Hepworth book. You fly through them. Yeah. That was The Soulmate. Loved it. I also read The Guest by Emma Klein, which I just picked up in an airport. I have since seen it everywhere it's like very much a trending book if you like literature that is creepy and eerie and focuses not on hundreds of years Sarah but on five days yeah lovely is a very captivating read I read it maybe in two sittings I still don't know how I feel about it. I didn't really like any character but I would still recommend the book. Yeah beautiful (laughs) that's perfect. Yeah and then I just recommend you see the Barbie movie, please. <laughs> I have, I, uh, and this is what I sort of hinted to at the start of the episode. I don't know why I came out so strong. <laughs> I was like, I probably won't see it. Only because I kind of put the Barbie movie a few months ago in like the Game of Thrones category, which was like, I never saw Game of Thrones and yeah. I feel like I haven't missed out. That's it. such a weird category. Well, that's <laughs> sort of how I felt. It's like these big hypey things. I never felt like I was missing anything. That was me with Succession for a long time. Yeah. And mm. then I, it started to come out and I was like, well, I'm simply seeing this movie. Yeah. I haven't had time yet because I got back from my holiday like two, three days ago, but I have every intention of seeing it. You loved it. Sahani? Oh, no. (laughs) No. I didn't love it. I thought it was a bit on the nose, but I did love Ryan Gosling in it. Yeah. See, I think it depends what you want from the movie. I found it very frothy and sugary and just like very funny. So I think if you're going in wanting a light, frothy, entertaining film, it'll probably give you what you want. And I kind of feel almost like a bad feminist. Oh my god, this I know. Because I want to. Margot Robbie was a sensation. Do not get me wrong; she's incredible. So is America Ferrera. But Ryan Gosling is the so perfect Ken. And I wonder if that was my takeaway because we all gave Ryan Gosling shit when he was cast <laughs> as Ken. Well, that's also probably true. I don't think that's necessarily a bad feminist thing to say. I think he did cop it when yeah. it was announced for months with people saying he was too old and not particularly right. I am desperately intrigued about how this film goes at the Oscars. I hope a film this fun and this kind of girly, quote unquote, <laughs> yes. can can sweep just for the optics. I'm like, there's a choreography scene. I've seen, I've, the- I, you, I've been on TikTok. <laughs> oh, well, I'm worried you've like spoiled I all the best moments. I almost have. I haven't read America Ferreira's monologue yet, but I obviously know there is one. Oh, I don't expect it to be some like massive feminist well, I, call to arms. Well, I did see the first few lines and I was like, okay. It's good, but again, Frothy, yeah. soapy, yeah, yeah. sugary, it's not gonna, delicious. It's yeah. giving like a Pinterest quote. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Well, I mean, a few stats before we move on because this is kind of the only time we have to talk about Barbie here. <laughs> I read on Tuesday morning, so this was probably 24 hours ago now, that Barbie so far had made $775 million globally. That is USD. The movie is expected to make a billion dollars by early next week, according to The Hollywood Reporter, which would make Greta Gerwig the first female solo director of a billion dollar film 
it is just raking in the cash and very, very quickly. It's so exciting for Greta Gerwig. It's so exciting for Margot Robbie when you actually realise how much as well Lucky Chap Productions and she herself had to do with the making of this film as well. I think the respect I have for her in a business sense is is quite profound, I think, when it comes to this film and yeah. how many people tried to get it off the ground and how many people couldn't. And it definitely feels like she was a fighter for this film, getting everyone on board mm. for it. Like, he's not just the star. Totally agree. We've got so much to cover today, guys. Strap yourselves in. But also, it was someone's birthday <laughs> it was. over the break. And as is shameless podcast tradition, as your co-host, I need to bring you a birthday message. You must. From someone you love. Now, other years I've aimed a little high. The year in particular was when I aimed for Tom Holland and wouldn't accept anything <laughs> other than Tom. This year, I decided to go more niche. You've said that a few times now. I reached out to one person and this person got back to me with a birthday I message. Tell you what, that is a far less stressful experience than I've ever had getting a birthday message. So props to you. I do think you'll be excited though. I think this is incredibly wholesome and I think it's incredibly oh, you. I'll probably cry as well. Ever since I've got back from the holiday, <laughs> I've been slightly jet lagged. I cried like twice over the silliest non-emotional things on the first day back at work. So I might cry now. I'm going to play it for you. I'm going to also show you this video on my phone. This is a person who didn't only create your favourite ever show. This is also the author of one of your favourite ever books, Abby Morgan. Oh, my God. <laughs> Creator of The Split, author of This Is Not A Pity Memoir. I thought, yes, it's a little niche, but it is so Zara McDonald. And she... I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> she had to say this. Hi, Zara. Happy birthday. Just blowing out a candle for you here in London. Have a fantastic party. <laughs> Um, I really hope you enjoy the next year and thank you so much for liking the split <laughs> and reading the book. It means so much. Hope we meet one day. Happy she birthday. She me a song. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, did Abby Morgan play this in a cafe? Lo and behold, no. <laughs> put on the happy birthday song for me. This, I am now, I was already obsessed with Abby Morgan because the split is one of my favourite shows of all time, just as it is yours. You introduced me to it. But when I reached out to her, she was so delightful. She didn't tell me she was then going to organise a cupcake, put a candle on it and play happy birthday she, music in the background. She did just blow out a candle for me. She has someone filming it for her. I think that is the most effort. Claps for Abby Morgan. The most effort anyone has ever put in to a shameless birthday message. Well, dare I say, I think there's a world where we need to get Abby Morgan on the podcast. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Should we? That's actually That's an a good idea. Because <laughs> Abby Morgan's incredible in like the TV space, creation space, playwriting. Mm, we need to get her on the podcast. Leave it with me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I hope you enjoyed your birthday message. Thank you so much. And honestly, thank you to Abby Morgan. I don't, I don't know if she'll be listening. Honestly, one of my favourite books of all time, one of my favourite TV show of all time. And if you haven't read that book, you have to read it because she's had such an interesting few years. Mm. Sorry, now I'm going to start selling the book again, but what a woman. Thank you. That is so lovely. I know. Um, we actually can't get into the show yet because we have a big announcement. We're 17 minutes in and we are, we do, we have a big announcement that we are super, super excited about. There is a new shameless book 
on the way. Long-term listeners will know that we wrote a book way back in 2020. It was called The Space Between. This book is a little different, Zara. It is very different. So this book is called 4AM. It's so interesting. I jumped on Instagram this morning. One of our listeners had found the cover <gasps> on the internet and sent it to me before we'd announced it. Oh, and I you're was like, kidding. What a little sleuth. <laughs> um, it is called 4AM. It is the answers to the conundrums that keep you up at night. And it is a collection of our most popular newsletter columns over the course of the newsletter existing. There is also a whole bunch of new stuff that Michelle and I have written for this book earlier this year, the two of us went to Byron Bay on a little work writing retreat. Some of our listeners might remember us mentioning that. We were just there pumping out as much good writing as yeah. we possibly could to put into this book. We have to, of course, shout out our incredible columnists, Madison Griffiths, Eliza Sholley, Maggie Zhao and Pema Bakshi. Their most popular columns are going in this book as well. And the best part, Mish... What is the best part? Uh, Coffee table book. <laughs> oh, my God, of course. It looks good. It's stunning. We, Thank you, Sahani. <laughs> one of my favourite things about this, right, is when we pitched this book idea, we were like, it's a coffee table book. It has to be the hottest book we've seen. And when we had a new staff member, Charlotte, start on Monday, we showed her the book. And the first thing she said was, oh, my God, it's a coffee table book. Is it, <laughs> it's as hot as the travel books that you see. And I was like, you should have seen the first few pages of this pitch. Yeah, you should have seen our mood board. We want it to look hot in your house. We know that's important. So let me tell you right now, 4am is a hot book and you're going to want your hot little hands on it. Absolutely. You can pre-order it right now. We will put the link in the show notes. It'll be, you know, it'll be all over Instagram as well. <laughs> you won't have to go searching for this link. You won't, won't be able to avoid it. No, that's, that might be your problem. So we are so excited excited about that. It is not coming out until October, October 17, but you can pre-order it right now to get it in your hands first. Yeah, guys, let's jump in to the world's biggest quick and dirty. I could not be more excited. There is so much to talk about. Zara loves Abby Morgan McDonald. You had to be, you had to do that one. What do you got for us? All right, our first story, of course, we needed to start here. Ariana Grande gets blasted by Ethan Slater's estranged wife. She is not a girl's girl. <gasps> that is from page six. Quite a bit to update you on when it comes to the personal life of Ariana Grande. Yeah, well, the last time you heard from us, the world was under the assumption that Ariana was still married to her husband of two years, the luxury real estate broker, Dalton Gomez. Within the last three weeks or so, though, we have learned quite a few things. The first of which was Ariana and Dalton are no more. Ariana is actually dating her wicked co-star. That co-star is married with a baby and his wife is talking to the media as much as she damn well pleases. Yeah, good recap. There's a bit going on. So for the unfamiliar, uh, Ariana and Dalton had a COVID wedding in 2021 after they started dating the year before. It was pretty quick. We didn't know a whole lot about Dalton. We kind of just figured he was a bit of a normie, like mm -hmm. a relative normie when it comes to someone who's, you know, existing in the spaces that Ariana Grande exists in. 6,000 Instagram followers when they got married. I yeah. just remember that stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> now, they've been doing long distance for a long time because Ariana's been living in the UK filming the Wicked movies. The Wicked movies was actually meant to be Wicked movie mm. until they got into shooting and realised it needed to be two movies, so her time in the UK was extended. 
Mish actually prepped a quick and dirty <laughs> segment talking about Ariana and Dalton like a few months ago, being like, um, are they about to end? And well, then I had a theory, oh, Sahani. This breaks my heart. And we had to Oracle cu- moment. I know. But <laughs> I, a real Oracle would have fought for it today because we, we had to cut it from the episode. A real Oracle. <laughs> well, I, I pitched it and I was like, I think they've broken up. This would have been in April. And I was like, let me just do like I a believe mic- you. Yeah. <laughs> I bought the audio somewhere. I was like, I'll do a quick story where I'm like, this is my theory. I think they're donezo. But then I kind of got the ick from my own opinion. And I was like, what do I know? It was also, <laughs> I think we actually ended up cutting it because we were like, can we speculate for this long on like them breaking up? We were like, we kind of got in our own heads a bit. And we did cut it and they were probably over when you actually said that. So that's their relationship backstory. Fast forward to July and the timeline when it comes to breaking this divorce is very interesting and curious. So... Ariana goes to Wimbledon with some of her wicked Mm co-stars. She turns up. It is so obvious she's not wearing a wedding ring. Mm. And I think everybody noticed because I think there had been a few reports on, like, her not being seen with Dalton for a little while, so people were looking. Straight after that, TMZ came out and said, yep, Ariana Grande, Dalton Gomez headed for divorce. So that was on July 17-ish. Yeah, so... Not seen with her wedding ring on July 16. Confirmed separation headed for divorce on July 17. That was confirmed by sources close to the couple. One source told the Daily Mail, Ariana and Dalton have nothing but respect for one another. They're still friends and want to remain that way moving forward. There was no cheating, no resentment between them. The marriage just simply didn't work out. These things happen. Michelle's (laughs) favourite divorce statement. I've said it once and I've said it again. Whenever a divorce statement explicitly says there was no cheating, I reckon (laughs) the chance of there being cheating involved skyrockets. It was also interesting because in these reports, there was a lot of commentary on how they still talk on the phone. They're besties. Yeah, what an interesting sort of little tidbit. So when the tabloids were trying to speculate on why they split, TMZ ran a follow-up saying that they couldn't make things work in a post-COVID world, that Dalton likely had no idea what Ariana's fame was actually like. I think we've seen this with quite a few couples Mm. through COVID. And the article actually went as far to say that they split in January and that Ariana was shocked, in in inverted commas, that people didn't realise earlier. And I remember seeing that. I read that. And it was like, Ariana is so shocked no one realised. And I was like, hang on, don't play me for an idiot. There's big Kylie Jenner, why is everyone calling him wolf about that? 100%. It's like, it's totally up to you guys. You didn't get it. So four days after Wimbledon, on July 20, the greatest day of the year, (laughs) Sarah's birthday, three days after we learned she was splitting from her husband, TMZ then published this, exclusive Ariana Grande dating Wicked co-star following split with hubby. Yeah. Honestly... Bravo to the team at TMZ. They had a busy, busy time with this story mm, over the really break. Did. And they broke all of the biggest developments. Now, we learned that maybe this split was a little juicier than we first thought. That potentially Ariana's marriage had ended because she had actually fallen in love with her Wicked co-star, Ethan Slater. As I'm sure many of you are familiar with by now, Ethan is best known for playing the titular SpongeBob (laughs) on Broadway. Not the hottest (laughs) of roles. I think fair call. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it also should be noted he is married. He's actually been with his wife, a woman named Lily J, for over 10 years. They have a baby together who has not yet turned one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, mm-hmm. I d- it's, you know, 
Over on Ethan's Instagram page, in May, he actually posted a bit of a tribute to Lily for Mother's Day. He wrote, happy first Mother's Day to the most loving, caring and wonderful mum slash person in the world from me and this little guy. According to unverified screenshots, Ariana did like that Instagram post, but again, not verified. This is where the timeline kind of gets confusing, right? Because sources have told TMZ that Ariana and Ethan started dating several months ago. But we also have that post from May where Ethan is... Professing his undying mm, love for his wife. Well, for the mother of his newborn baby. Now, the other thing to note, though, is TMZ is also quick to point out as well that, and I quote, our sources say Ariana and Ethan did not start dating until after he separated from Lily. How do the month maths work there? They're telling us they've been dating for several months. We know he posted... That in May. About Lily in May. We found out in mid-July. By the time this episode goes up, it's early August. Several months means at least three. I would say at least three. So, I'm sorry, something's not (laughs) mathing. It's not mathing and to make things messier, Lily spoke to page six and gave this quote. Ariana's the story, really. Not a girl's girl. My family is just collateral damage. The story is her and Dalton. Confusing? Yeah, I was wondering. I, I remember seeing this quote being like, I, I don't know what to make of this. Like, what what do we mean the story is her and Dalton? Like, is she trying to point us in a different direction? I was quite confused. Yeah, I'm confused by that as well. Page six then included another kind of bizarre paragraph they, the article read like this. However, sources tell Page Six that Lily J has been calling every news outlet to get this story out while acting differently towards Slater behind the scenes. An insider told us she's rightfully upset because her marriage fell apart, but Ariana and Ethan didn't do anything wrong. Ethan is trying to take the high road and hopes he can resolve this situation for the sake of their child. Dare I say, if you are a woman who has been left by her partner of 10 years and you have a child that is not even a year old, I will fight for every right and every wrong. (laughs) I don't care how you behave. I I think it is fair to say we don't know the facts of this, but what we do know is that Lily and Ethan were together. They had a baby. Ethan started working on Wicked. Lily and Ethan split. Ethan and Ariana are together. Whether there's overlap or not, it actually doesn't really matter to me. Mm. I'd still be fucking so shattered. Yeah. You would be devastated. And I kind I 1,000% agree with you. I don't love how... Now this kind of narrative is trying to come out to be, oh, my God, she's calling the press left, right and centre. That is clearly coming from a particular camp in this Mm. story and especially a camp that is arguing that they're doing this for the sake of their child. It's like, I'm sorry, but when you're leaking against each other, no matter what's going on, I don't think you can argue you're doing it for your kid. A thousand Mm. percent. And according to sources, who I'm sure are sources either close to Lily J or who are Lily Lily J. J., Ariana was friends with these they, two. She was at their that. house holding their baby yeah. on some occasions. If this was me, I would burn the world to the <laughs> ground. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, of course I would. And I just think Lily J can behave however she damn well pleases right now. 
I'm not going to hold a single thing against her. I'm going to give her a six-month leeway. Do whatever you like, and then I'll hold you accountable for murky behaviour. Yeah, I think the thing for me is the newborn baby. Like, I know mm. that stuff like this, like we even spoke about the Sophia Culpo, Alex Earl, Braxton Berrios story, which we actually are going to touch on later <laughs> in the episode, a few weeks ago, which, again, huge sympathy for anyone who has gone or feels like they've gone through something like that. But, but as the mother of a, a newborn baby... All of the commentary I hear and speaking to people I know is that you do feel very vulnerable at that point in your life. So that would be really tough. Our second story, Sophia Vergara and Joe Mangianello divorcing after seven years of marriage. <laughs> that is from page six as well. Oh. Guys, did we accidentally jinx this? <laughs> we waxed lyrical about these two only like two weeks before they announced they'd split on our scandal series. We did a whole scandal series. We do two episodes on Sofia Vergara and we wrap that series by saying like, Love isn't dead. <laughs> Joe Mangianello. I, we don't even normally do that, but there was something it's such about an this story. It's way of finishing as well. It, it, it's true. We don't usually do that. We don't normally ever do that, but we read about these two and we're like, you know what? They're the exception <laughs> to the celebrity relationship. Love is so strong. How lucky they are to have each other. And then two weeks later, divorce. <laughs> now, in case you missed it, on July 17, page six reported that the couple had split. If that date sounds familiar, it came, I think, just hours after Ariana's divorce statement. Mm. So I wonder if it was very strategic to sort of get lost amongst the Ariana and Dalton Gomez news. Yeah. Now, Page Six published a joint statement from the former couple who said, we have made the difficult decision to divorce. As two people that love and care for one another very much, we politely ask for respect of our privacy at this time as we navigate this new phase of our lives. No mention of no cheating means there was no cheating. Yeah, green light, green light from Shameless. <laughs> they were last seen together the month earlier on the set of Joe's latest project in Hoboken. Now, at the time that the news broke, Sophia was in Italy with her friends celebrating her 51st birthday. Joe was nowhere to be seen. And for what it's worth, the day before the news broke, she posted on Instagram, when life gives you lemons, you come to Italy to squeeze them. Yeah. Mm. This actually makes me wonder, was it strategically timed, the release? of their announcement or was it just pure coincidence? coincidence because on that post everyone was commenting everyone was like what do you mean when life gives you lemons and then they were saying hang on we haven't seen a single photo of her with joe on this birthday trip exactly mm. people really started asking where is joe something's in the water when it comes to celebrity relationships because we also had people magazine break the news last week singer rosalia had ended her engagement with her partner of three years, Raw. Now, these two are a very well-known celebrity couple. And this also has come with a lot of rumours that he cheated on her with a well-known model. And that's what broke up the engagement. But regardless, we're hearing a lot of Hollywood couples or celebrity couples completely fall apart right now. Maybe it's summer. Maybe people... Is Hot that girl thing? summer? Is that the thing? I don't think it's... I don't think it's anything. I think it's just a big coincidence. <laughs> I don't know why I tried to find meaning. And after the break, I'm not even going to give you a tease outline. We've just got so much more. <laughs> Our third story, what's going on with Jonah Hill's alleged text to ex-partner Sarah Brady? That is from the Washington Post. My goodness me. This was a big one. Hey, now this story started a little while ago now on July 7, 
when Jonah Hill's ex-partner, a surfer by the name of Sarah Brady, began sharing a series of Instagram stories detailing his alleged emotionally abusive behaviour. Now, in order to kind of detail these allegations, Brady actually posted text messages she says were sent by the actor throughout the course of their relationship. For context, these two dated between 2021 and 2022. They seem to have broken up sometime in the middle of 2022. It is a little blurry. Now, Jonah Hill has since moved on. He has a partner, Olivia Miller. They actually welcomed a baby last month. Yeah. In explaining why she wanted to share the text messages publicly, Sarah Brady wrote, sharing this publicly now because keeping it to myself was causing more damage to my mental health than sharing it could ever do. One of these supposed conversations appeared to show Jonah Hill chastising Sarah for sharing photos of herself surfing in a bathing suit. Now, we should note, she is a surfer. So I'm not sure what else he meant to surf in. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, even if she wasn't a surfer, she is just surfing in a bathing suit. Now, in the alleged exchange between her and Jonah Hill, Sarah says she deleted a series of photos from her Instagram feed which Jonah allegedly responded was a good start, but said that she still doesn't seem to get it. The text went on. But it's not my place to teach you. I've made my boundaries clear. You refuse to let go of some of them and you've made that clear and I hope it makes you happy. As if to say, like, my boundary is that you never appear on your Instagram in a bikini and that's a boundary you need to keep if you want to be my girlfriend. Yes, that is exactly what she was saying he said to her. She went on and captioned more screenshots. This is a warning to all girls. If your partner is talking to you like this, make an exit plan. Call me if you need an ear. In other screenshots, Hill reportedly said that if Brady wants to surf with men or if she wants to model, post pictures of herself in a bathing suit, post, and I quote, sexual pictures, among other things, then he is, and I quote, not the right partner for her. He also allegedly asked her to end relationships or friendships with women who, and I quote, are in unstable places. So, that is so bizarre. So bizarre. Brady also claimed that their former couples therapist told her to paddle away from any man that approached her in the water, no matter his age. Now, this story was complicated for many reasons, but I think particularly because Jonah, Jonah Hill has become somewhat of a mental health spokesperson, mm. I guess. In 2022, he directed a documentary called Stutz that chronicles the life and career of psychiatrist Dr. Phil Stutz, who is Jonah Hill's therapist. And around this time, he was talking a lot about mental health. He was talking a lot about therapy. He published a public letter in Deadline, writing that he has suffered from anxiety and panic attacks for 20 years and for that reason would be stepping back from front-facing media appearances. Mm. And so people have naturally pointed out how jarring it is to see if these text messages, of course, are real. A man who promotes therapy so much seemed to allegedly abuse and misuse therapy speak in order to manipulate a female partner. Yeah. The other conversation starter has, of course, been around the ethics of sharing private messages online with the world. There was an interesting piece in Vanity Fair where writer Delia Kai wrote, we're used to having our celebrity gossip laundered through a few cycles of rumor mills and publicist approved statements. Here was primary sourcing, an original text literally presented with relatively little comment or apparent mediation. 
made public to all for analysis and interpretation. In the realm of digital totems, screenshots feel unvarnished and objective and therefore believable and true. And so, even amidst the stark criticism of Jonah Hill, there were those who expressed an unease with Sarah Brady's decision to post the texts. The position elides the context of the messages and any fault of Hill skipping straight to an otherwise understandable terror at the idea of private messages being screenshotted for public circulation. And that's the rub. Texting, for all intents and purposes, is a semi-public activity now. I felt a lot of things as this story unraveled. The first of which was whenever I see very inflamed, I think, online discourse like this, I now have a a visceral reaction that I want to retreat. Like, I just want to sit back for a bit and see what happens. If the messages are accurate and true, I, I feel a certain way about ever sharing stuff that is supposed to be private publicly. But if you are someone who has been manipulated by a partner, if you've been made to feel voiceless, then... I'm hardly going to hold it against you for trying to claim some power back. I think the other thing I think is it's an awful irony if it's true that Jonah Hill pursued Sarah Brady because she was this beautiful, talented surfer. And then as soon as she was deemed his, in inverted commas, decided everything that he once found attractive about her was now deviant and sexual and awful in a partner. I just find that so ironic because I think I've actually seen that play out in oh my hetero relationships in my own life. Completely. And I agree with you. I think I've definitely said on the show that I will never support the sharing of private messages, but I actually don't think a statement like that should be as cut and dry as maybe I framed it back when I said it. The thing when it comes to this story that I think is completely different is we very rarely believe women when they just tell these stories. Yeah. So when they come out with screenshots of conversations that they're saying are from their former partner, emotionally manipulating them. It is kind of classic for us to turn around and just find other things we're uncomfortable about it. Women will never win. Yeah, they will will never never win. win. And so I agree with you. It's like, I think there is something actually quite helpful here for a lot of young women if they can see the language being played out Mm -hmm. to be like, if this is being used against me, it was wrong. And if this is being used against you, it is also wrong. Because I think a lot of women have experienced levels of manipulation like this. Yeah. Mm. And I think we've actually had this conversation on this podcast, but also Shame More episodes recently. Our manipulation of therapy speak, particularly terms like boundaries, is so frustrating. Yeah. Because it, if you manipulate it to a certain point, you can actually start using therapy speak to be emotionally abusive, abusive. which mm. is one of the biggest ironies of all. Especially for a guy who made a documentary yeah. about therapy. Imagine seeing all the praise <sighs> for that documentary if you were her. Yeah, I, yeah. Especially when it came out probably around the time that they were splitting and he was getting with this new partner. Yeah, mm. and we do have to say Johnny Hill hasn't addressed this. He hasn't acknowledged whether it is true or not. And I know we're saying that a lot, but obviously that is something that is our job to say. Yeah. But at the end of the day, their messages that are hard to read and if Regardless. they're true, yeah. pretty awful. Yeah. yeah, completely. Our fourth story, Kylie Jenner and Jordan Woods reunited. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Billionaire enjoys dinner with her ex-BFF four years after Tristan Thompson cheating scandal ruined friendship and left the Kardashians fuming. That's from the Daily Mail. It feels like the world is healing. Doesn't it just? When I saw these photos, I sent them straight to Zara and I was like, this 
is justice. This is what you've been waiting for. I have been waiting for this. Now, it's not a super long one for us to run you through. The headline really covered the important stuff. Thank you, Daily Mail. (laughs) They often do it, the Daily Mail. (laughs) Now, these two were papped out for dinner in mid-July, and I'm just really happy about it. Of course, the way the Kardashians treated Jordan Woods in 2019 and beyond was... uh, and still is a mark on their reputation, a stain on their reputation. As a brief refresher, Tristan Thompson, Chloe's on-again, off-again partner and the father of her two children, had already been through a very high-profile cheating scandal when he kissed Jordan Woods at a party. He had already been caught with random women in the week leading up to Chloe giving birth to True. However, Chloe decided to take him back when the headlines came out that he had also kissed Jordan Woods, the family turned on Jordan instead of turning on Tristan. And Chloe famously tweeted, you are the reason my family broke up to Jordan Woods in the aftermath as well. And I think a lot of people will always remember this when it comes to this story that despite Tristan repeatedly showing us that he struggles with monogamy, Jordan Woods struggles with monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> delicate, delicate word. <laughs> Jordan, who didn't behave flawlessly either, did something wrong, was this very young woman who was held responsible for tearing apart a family. Yeah, I agree with that. This will always sit quite weirdly with me. But four years later, and it seems at least that Kylie and Jordan's almost lifelong friendship is reportedly back on track. Now, make no mistake, Mish, it definitely felt like these pat photos were meticulously timed. Absolutely. As with everything with this family, I think it was meticulous PR. These pat photos were released about a week, a little over a week, before the final episode of The Kardashians Season 3 aired. And that final episode of The Kardashians saw the entire family basically wrapped their arms around Tristan Thompson. Didn't Kim go to a basketball game with a sign that said, go Tristan? Different episode. (laughs) But (laughs) she was so I honestly really thought I nailed it. In the final episode, Tristan very sadly was grieving his mother's death. But the way they framed Tristan was curious. They were talking about how he's now the sole guardian of his half-brother who lives with disability. They were essentially painting Tristan as a reformed family man who is ready to be like the most doting brother and dad in the world. Like they're literally all sitting around on couches crying about how they'll always be there for each other and that they love Tristan and right. his family and forever family. So my sign story sounds like <laughs> <laughs> And so I think they probably all sat in their little producer chairs watching this finale episode going, well, that's true. We do love Tristan. He's in the fold. How is this going to look when people watch this episode and remember that we ousted Jordan Woods and she's still not back in the fold publicly? So I think they set up these pap shots with Kylie and Jordan. If you ask me as a stan of the Kardashians, I actually think Kylie and Jordan have secretly been in touch or been friends for years. I think probably they have. I think this is the kind of thing that was sort of be a hurdle in your friendship for a few months to a year. Yeah. I can imagine 
that they would have kind of come back together. And I think this was just the public showing a week before we had this episode where the questions would have naturally arisen. And to that, bravo to the PR team. I think they handled it well. <laughs> yeah, as they always do. Our fifth story, Taylor Swift changes controversial lyrics of Better Than Revenge in new Taylor's version remake. That's from Variety. I tell you what, this story feels like a lifetime ago. It really does. <laughs> Over the break, Taylor re-released her 2010 album Speak Now and as expected, it came with the lyric change we thought it would. Taylor's song Better Than Revenge, which she reportedly wrote over a decade ago about actress Camilla Bell, who dated Joe Jonas very briefly after he dumped Taylor Swift via phone call. Of now the song, <laughs> the phone call that lives in folklore. It had a tweak. The song finally got a lyric tweak. It was originally notorious for this line: "She's not a saint, and she's not what you think. She's an actress. She's better known for the things that she does on the mattress." So, Bang on! <laughs> it's actually yes. such so. a slay lyric, as anti-feminist as it is. It's, that I mean, rhyme. It, it rhyme. The rhyme is good. The, rhyme. the slut shaming, not so. <laughs> The 2023 version, however, had that last mattress line rewritten. It now reads, he was a moth to the flame. She was holding the matches. Not a slay of a rhyme. Not mm. a slay of a lyric. Look, I was like in the office. I think this was my last day of work. And I was like ranting and raving about this because I was like, I wish she didn't change it, not because I don't think it's a terrible line, but because I don't want people to rewrite their stuff. I would rather her have re-released the song and made it like a conversation point where she mm. came out and had a conversation about, yeah, I used to slut shame. A mm. lot of us did. It wasn't right. I didn't want to change it because I, this is about re-recording the songs as they were. This was the song as it was. This is who I was. Mm-hmm. I, my prediction, my horrendous oracle prediction was that she wasn't going to change it and then release like a From the Vault song saying like, we all were people <laughs> that we didn't have. Uh, struggle with internalized yeah. misogyny. Like something like that. I'm sorry, Camilla yeah. Bell. Like something like that, which didn't happen. She just changed it. And I was quite fired off about it. I don't really care as much now. Because were you fired up? Were you really? I, I don't know if I was. Were you there, Sahani? I think I was, but I don't remember you Maybe fired, fired up is the wrong thing. I think I was passionate about it being the wrong decision. I still think it's the wrong decision, but I don't actually care because it's kind of been a bit of a blip and we've just all moved on. Yeah, I think people care for like 24 yeah. hours and then everyone actually forgot about Speak Now, the re-release. I don't think anyone's really cared about the album. Well, it was actually quite funny because I think it was me and Partnerships Director Ray who were like, yeah, yeah, like, meh, 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 like, this is not right. And then I would say one of our biggest Swifties in the office, Nikita, about two hours later was sitting there and I was like, Nikita, you weren't here for our conversation before. I need your opinion. And she turned around and she goes, actually, I was here for the conversation the whole time. I just didn't care <laughs> to, to contribute. And I was like, fair She's enough. Like, you losers. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I disagree with you. I think the decision was the right one. I think I would completely agree with you if we never knew that this song was about one woman. We know it's about Camilla Bell with yeah. like close to certainty. Mm-hmm. I think any other any other scenario, I'd be like, keep the lyric the same. We all struggle with internalized misogyny at time. It's indicative of the era it was written in. 
I think the fact this was about Camilla Bell and Camilla Bell has said some not so subtle things over the years about what this did to her career and how this affected yeah. her as a person. I think given it's one woman who was on the receiving end, fair. I do agree with it being changed. And I think in that line of thought, you don't want this to bring up stuff for Camilla, I guess, or for her to be back in the public eye for reasons that she hasn't yes. chosen to be. So I get that as well. But I don't know. I, I'm still sort of in the middle, I guess, now. I can't you pulled wait for, me over a little. <laughs> I can't wait for your say Friday because I am really curious. Do you think it should have been changed? Do you think there should have been a response song? that we just played out <laughs> Yeah, I can actually cut that up for you. Our sixth story. Twitter is being rebranded as X. That is from The Verge. So Twitter is now X. No, it's not. I just refuse. It's Well, I'm never going to call it X, but under the leadership of owner Elon Musk, the social media brand and platform has completely rebranded to X. The black X artwork on my phone keeps throwing me off. Oh, it feels I like I have it. some sort of dark web thing on my phone. I was like, this is not me. I like the little blue bird or the little white bird. Now, we became aware of this news on July 23 when Musk tweeted, soon we shall bid adieu to the Twitter brand and gradually all the birds. <laughs> I don't think he meant all the birds of the world. He followed it up with a second tweet adding, if a good enough X logo is posted tonight, we'll make go live worldwide tomorrow. It did go live. I mean, the natural question, of course, is what is the significance of X? Why rebrand to X? Well, the letter X has been on just about everything Musk has worked on and touched as well for the last two decades. X.com was actually the original name for PayPal when he founded PayPal. But it clearly didn't work. So why do we, if I, it was the original name? Sorry, yeah, true. <laughs> I was like, isn't that interesting? <laughs> um, it's, I it's, like PayPal way yeah, same. It's in his uh, SpaceX company name. Yeah. It is in the name for the Tesla SUV, reportedly. <laughs> I didn't to know the, any of a this. I mean, this is... <laughs> really went deep. Why, the, the Verge gave me a bit. Um, <laughs> and don't forget his kids' names, of which oh. I... Don't have the is problem. there an X in there? There's yeah. an X in both of both their names of from memory. Yeah, so Twitter is X. Yeah, well, in other social media flop news, Instagram decided to release their own competition for X slash Twitter over the break. They launched Threads, and this started strong. For a second, <laughs> I was like, hold up, we need a shameless podcast Threads account because over 100 million users signed up within a very short amount of time However, since then, something kind of weird happened. The platform has since lost more than half of its users. Would we call that weird? Like, I'll be surprised. I am. Were you on threads? I went on there for like 20 minutes and I was like, I can't. I made an account, posted a few things. Did I was you? like, am I becoming a threadfluencer? Oh like, is this, my, is this my life now? I was into it for a day and then I logged in the next day and I'm like, it's a ghost town here all of a sudden. Seriously. Like, it was, there was so much wind in the sails. There was so much hype, so much excitement. I really thought maybe it was going to be a thing, particularly seeing all the records it smashed yeah. with user signups. And then it was like everyone collectively, we woke up the next morning, we shrugged and we're like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> So true. Yeah, so as you say, it's lost half its users already. I mean, I asked the team on Slack, I was like, what's the vibe on Threads? Because I'm not on it, but I don't want to come on the show and be like, Threads is dead if I've like completely misread the room. And everyone's like... <laughs> 
Yeah, we don't use it. My favourite also was one of the girls in the team said, I will only go on maybe once a week to have a quick scroll if I'm very bored, <laughs> which is like <laughs> the worst endorsement for a social media app yeah. ever. Dare I say, I don't know if we have an appetite for extra apps. When I saw this, I honestly was like, I don't know if this is going to get off the ground because I don't know if we have the energy to have personality in so many different places. Like mm. it takes a lot of you to be a thread fluencer. It takes a lot of you to be, you know, have your personality out on TikTok. I actually think we're all exhausted right now mm. of having to perform our personalities online. And I think it was fun for 24 hours, but the concept of having to do that in perpetuity is tiring to people. And I think for me now, for a new social media app to work, it almost has to replace another. Like I think we're at yeah. capacity with how much social media we're using and how much of ourselves we're putting online. I'm not saying another one won't come along, but I think TikTok has done really well because we're using Instagram less. Yeah, and it mm. offers something different. Yeah. The thing about threads is it kind of offers something we already have in Twitter slash X. I do find it fascinating that Mark Zuckerberg was clearly, this was like his baby. He put it in everyone's Instagram bios. If you signed up to threads, it was popped in your Instagram bio for an automatic that. link across. Mm. You can't delete your threads account without deleting your Instagram account. or You can deactivate it, but you can't yeah. delete it. He really committed. But then all of a sudden he took it out of all of our bios. So I'm like, did... Mark Zuckerberg also get the ick from his own <laughs> idea suddenly to no, be like, actually, I'm done. I reckon they might have realised that people... I didn't like the look of it being in my bio. It was like a completely aesthetic thing for me. <laughs> so I was like, ew. I just like, I got rid of it. So I wonder if other people were doing that a lot as well because oh, you yeah. could like disable it in your bio and they realised that part of it wasn't working. What a fever dream for a social media... Mm. So much social media change over the break. Truly. Our seventh story. Doja Cat has lost over 500,000 Instagram followers since dismissing her fans' concerns over her controversial reported relationship and later calling them creepy. I was the one who prepped the kind of research for this story. How across it are you? Pretty across it. Okay, because this was just a bizarre one and there are a few nooks and crannies that I'm going to try and get the listeners across. Yeah, I think it's certainly the story that I wonder a lot of people, because this was me over the break, I'd seen a lot of headlines, yeah. but hadn't done the digging until I had time when I got home. And then I was like, whoa. Yeah. In case you missed it, the real synopsis is that Doja Cat is feuding with her own fans. The short of it is, is that the fans have been raising concerns about her boyfriend, Jay Cyrus, for a little while now. Jay Cyrus was an internet celebrity before he met Doja Cat. He actually became huge on Vine. He now has a pretty decent following on YouTube, Instagram and TikTok. He was a big Twitch streamer during the pandemic. He's also dabbled in music and released an album before. The crux of the complaints about Jay Cyrus's behaviour are that when he was a streamer on Twitch, he had a group of female moderators and he didn't treat those moderators well and actually behaved inappropriately towards them. Rolling Stone has written an entire article kind of detailing the allegations. They are that kind of classic 2020 thing where it's very difficult because the allegations are all online. We're relying a lot on posts. It's just kind of hard to make really clear sense of exactly what happened. A lot of it has also been deleted now. We do know that the women said they were much younger than Jay Cyrus when they were moderating for him. They were of age, but much younger. And they have accused him of being inappropriately flirtatious with them. As I said, this was a few years ago. And a few years ago, Jay Cyrus 
published a now-deleted apology. Would you like to read it out, Zara McDonald? Yes. He wrote, There is no excuse nor justification for my actions. I was careless. I was greedy. I was ignorant. I was disrespectful. And I was completely in the wrong. In a position of power and trust, I gave in to the temptations and attention of those who looked up to me. These women are special. They are strong. And they are worth so much more than me and my ignorance. And I failed to realize that when it mattered. As you said, though, that was posted in 2020. That has now been deleted. Yes. Fast forward to the end of 2022 and Jay Cyrus and Doja Cat are rumoured to be dating. This June, so just a couple of months ago, they were papped kissing on a yacht. That was kind of the first concrete evidence we had that they were boyfriend-girlfriend and Twitter exploded. Naturally, the events of 2020 were dredged back up and Doja Cat's fans expressed disappointment that she is now connected with a man that they deem to be untrustworthy or unlikable or unsafe. Yeah. Now, in response, according to BuzzFeed, Doja started blocking fans who tweeted her about it. She also posted this, and this is kind of in caps lock. I want you all to read this comment and take it as a message. I don't give a fuck what you think about my personal life. I never have, and I never will give a fuck what you think about me or my personal life. Goodbye and good riddance, miserable hoes. Ha ha. <laughs> Sorry. It's like, it's like <laughs> I'm only laughing. It's just like, I don't, I just... <laughs> Miserable hose, haha! Exclamation mark in caps lock is an objectively funny thing to see. Written. It's a way to deal with it. It is a way. It's it's a strategy. That's the thing. It's like I mean, these are your fans, and I think the moral of the story was it was only yours to lose. Yes. <laughs> like that was all. That's it. Yeah, it's a way to deal with it. Now Doja hopped over onto Threads, clearly in the single week that Threads was relevant. And quadrupled down on that strategy when one fan messaged her saying that she wished Doja Cat said, I love my fans. This fan literally said, I wish you said you loved us more kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Which, a little needy. (laughs) Yeah, quite. Doja replied, I don't though. Because I don't even know y'all. I mean, I wouldn't say it out loud (laughs) if I was a pop star. But it's like, I kind of get it. It's true. I would say if you are someone who has built an audience that requires a level of fan base, there should be a level of respect and appreciation you have for the people that want to consume your stuff. Yeah, maybe sub out, I love you. Like, well, I see, appreciate I love you. you. I appreciate you. I res- yes, I am grateful for you. You I guys guess. help me get here. I think she's trying to avoid having the same relationship Taylor Swift has Completely. with her fans, and like we, a parasocial relationship. And we've spoken about that as well, about how like, so many YouTube stars particularly got themselves into messes for many reasons, but also because they constantly referred to their fan base as their friends. You're my family. Yeah. Mm. And I think there is a level of boundaries that we're seeing people put up like Phoebe Bridges to kind of put space between yeah. themselves and their fandom. That said, there is a difference between putting a boundary <laughs> up and calling them miserable hoes. <laughs> There's this thing called grey area yeah, where yeah. you can be in the middle. Now, another fan jumped in to say, and we don't know you, but we have supported you through thick and thin Mind you, you'd be nothing without us. You'd be working at a grocery store making songs on fucking Garage Band, oh Miss High School Dropout. This is the thing, right? <laughs> Everyone starts okay and then ends horrendously. It's like, it's true. They also don't know you, but they love you. They love what you put out. And then they just take it too far. Why do these, these literally all start good and then fall off a cliff? Because Doja then replied, 
Nobody forced you to. I don't know why you're talking to me like you're my mother, bitch. You sound like a crazy person. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like they all fall off a cliff. And from there, it just got worse. Can you believe it? Doja Cat's biggest fans call themselves kittens. And she essentially mocked them for calling themselves kittens. She again wrote on threads, if you call yourself kitten or fucking kittens, that means you need to get off your phone and get a job and help your parents with the house. <laughs> Now, it's a bit awkward because then screenshots started to go around from years ago when Doja actually polled her fans on what they wanted their collective name to be. This is when I really started to grimace yeah. watching this. This is when. <laughs> She's like, well, yeah. I was grimacing the whole time, but at this point I was like, oh, this is getting really uncomfortable now. For her to say, like, go get a job, don't call yourself fucking kittens, people just started responding with all the screenshots of the times that she used kittens asking them to do things it's, for her, oh like no. support, stream my new album, stream my it's new just song. It's one of those things that can be picked apart quite quickly. And you've got to be careful in arguments. You've got to protect yourself a little bit. <laughs> now, the backlash has been intense. In a single day, she lost 150,000 followers. In total, she's lost close to 600,000 followers. I was a bit sad about this because I was a big Doja fan. <laughs> I quite liked her sort of candidness. She's on so TikTok. rogue. Yeah, <laughs> she's rogue. random. And rogue, yeah. and I loved that. But and maybe I shouldn't be surprised if I loved someone for being rogue and random and then they <laughs> do that. Our thoughts and prayers go out to her PR management. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine just a single tear would be rolling down your face? A thousand percent. <laughs> Our eighth story. Euphoria actor Angus Cloud dies age 25. That is from The Guardian. A really tragic story this week. Uh, Angus Cloud has died at home in California at the age of 25, his family have confirmed. The actor was of course best known for playing the role of Fez on the HBO show. Now in a statement, his family wrote, it is with the heaviest heart that we had to say goodbye to an incredible human today. They went on to say that Angus Cloud's father had recently died and the statement said that the actor intensely struggled with the loss. It went on, as an artist, a friend, a brother and a son, Angus was special to all of us in so many ways. The only comfort we have is knowing he is now reunited with his dad, who was his best friend. Angus was open about his battle with mental health and we hope that his passing can be a reminder to others that they are not alone and should not fight this on their own or in silence. Zendaya Angus Cloud's co-star, they worked very closely together on Euphoria, also posted overnight. She said, words are not enough to describe the infinite beauty that is Angus. I am so grateful I got the chance to know him in this life, to call him a brother, to see his warm, kind eyes and bright smile, or hear his infectious cackle of a laugh. I am smiling now, just thinking of it. Mm. Um, it's just 25, feels so young. 25, and I have a lot of respect to the family for putting out the statement they did. I think they... Yeah. Handled it really beautifully. Angus Cloud had not acted before he was cast in one of the biggest shows in the world, in Euphoria. He was actually walking down the street in New York when a casting scout just noticed he had the X factor. He was resistant at first. Of this, he told GQ, I was confused and I didn't want to give her my phone number. I thought it was a scam. Then casting director Jennifer Venditti met with him and series creator Sam Levinson made him one of the stars of the show. He just had such raw talent. Yeah, and I read quite a few profiles of Angus Cloud yesterday and I think the sense that you got about him from profiles, as much of a sense you can get about anyone from a celebrity profile, I guess, was that because he didn't come into this show 
with kind of the fame or maybe the pre-existing connections that a lot of other people did, that he was so not media trained like everybody else in such a beautiful way Mm. and that he was far more candid. And I remember there was this note, I can't remember if it was in a variety piece or a GQ piece where it was like he doesn't fixate on the little details of a story. Like everyone in every interview would ask him about walking down the street and being past it because it's a story everyone wants to ask him about. And they noted like he doesn't really remember or want to talk about the small details of the story. Like he just doesn't care. All he wants to talk about is like the big details of stuff and the big parts of stories. And there are some beautiful profiles out there actually. We'll put them in the show notes if you want to read more about him. I think the other tragic part about all of this is he's not the only big celebrity that died over the break. Miss Sinead O'Connor also died aged 56. Yeah, this was completely heartbreaking again. She She was best known for her song, Of Course, Nothing Compares to You. And she was one of, if not the biggest musical talent to come out of Ireland. She is credited as one of the trailblazers when it comes to sounding the alarm about child sexual abuse in the Roman Catholic Church. She famously tore up a photo of the Pope on live television in 1992, for which her reputation with, I would say, the mainstream media never fully recovered. But she was fiercely loved and admired Mm. by her supporters of which there were so many she wrote a best-selling memoir in 2021 called rememberings where she spoke about her very colorful and very complicated life and yet we lost two great ones over the break and it's very very sad but it's heartwarming as well to see some of the incredible stories being told about these two people now yeah our ninth story TikTok star Alex Earl faces furious backlash after she is seen kissing Donna Karen's 17-year-old grandson at Hampton's party just days after attending ESPYs on the arm of NFL player Braxton Berrios. That is from the Daily Mail. Oh, dear. Guys, we had to tell you about this story because it was only a couple of episodes ago that we were telling you in detail about Alex Earl's new boyfriend, villain name, Braxton Berrios, and how he had left or maybe been in a messy situation with Sophia Culpo. So we felt like we had to come back and give you this very bizarre, very hotly spoken about update. Completely. So after we last chatted, Alex and Braxton were like pretty together. In fact, so together that they debuted their romance on the ESPYs red carpet where they posed arm in arm. That was July 13. And as is the theme of the break, they've now split. They've now split because three days after they were seen together on the ESPYs red carpet, Alex was seen kissing a man who was very much not Braxton Berrios at a club in the Hamptons. Now, the world only learned about this, though, last week because Dumois shared this footage to her millions of followers. The footage was quick. It was only like a second or two. But the fact that it was Alex kissing this man in the video was undeniable. She was wearing this like very distinctive fluoro orange halter dress. (laughs) And so if you want to be like incognito kissing someone who's not the man you just went to the ESPYs with, probably not the way to do it. No, especially when you're posting on TikTok a lot. In the same dress. In the same dress. (laughs) It's just sort of a... Now, Braxton, in response, deleted the photo of him and Alex at the ESPYs together from his Instagram account. (laughs) But the drama wasn't over because people actually managed to identify the guy that Alex was kissing in the video. Now, it turns out she was making out with DKNY grandson Sebastian DeFelice. Only he's actually literally still in high school and is yet to turn 18. He's 17. Alex, for the record, is 22. And so social media has had quite the field day with this. Sort of an awkward 
complicated. So awkward. Just lots going on. Not the kind of thing you want to be involved in. There's something so distinctly Gossip Girl about this entire story. Oh, that's such a good point. I, see, I am re-watching Gossip Girl well, at the yeah. moment. But the fact that Demois posted the footage, mm. Alex had just been at this high-profile event. It's like she's living this Serena Vanderwoodson lifestyle. The fact that this guy who she has made very clear on social media, she had no idea how old he was. It really does maybe appear like it was one of those messy dance floor pashes or like nightclub pashes she wrote in an instagram response to one follower i found out about this as in sebastian's age at the same time you guys did there's something so distinctly gossip girl to me about this whole story yeah a hundred percent I mean, it's so awkward, especially it's just days after that big debut. Also, it was kind of funny when they did that SP's red carpet debut and they were still trying to say that they weren't really boyfriend and girlfriend. And I was like, oh, can you? Anyway, I actually think that might be all we've got time for. That is all we've got time for, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode back. It's been a delight to have you here with us, Sahani. Thank you for having me. My butt is sore. <laughs> yeah, for a while. We've been sitting for too long. <laughs> now, hopefully I'm here for next week's episode, Zara. Yes, you have a personal surgery to attend <laughs> to. Zara's like, I'm not going to reveal. I have a cyst on my ovary that needs to be taken out. Nothing concerning. But I will not be here for your Say Friday. I will hopefully be back for next week's episode. Yeah, be flex with us next week if slight things have to change. Michelle's recovery is, of course, the most important thing. The <laughs> other most important thing is that you pre-order 4 a.m. <laughs> if I may put them on the same standing. Absolutely. Pre-order 4 a.m. once again. Link in our bio. Thanks so much, guys. So good to be back. Yeah, bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.